appreciating the hero's journey that we're all in. And, you know, it's like I said, you're not better or worse than other people. You may just be at a different stage in your journey. You know, you wouldn't compare, if you're comparing yourself um, to Luke Skywalker, for example. <laughs> do you compare yourself when he's like in a little mud hut and just not doing so well? Or do you compare yourself to when he's a Jedi master? Yeah. It's the same dude. So important. So, yeah. So it's, it's important. And I think a lot of people are comparing themselves in a mud hut to someone who's a Jedi master. Welcome back to the quest for greatness, where I'm on a mission to help you unleash your full potential. Today's guest is the former professional athlete, best-selling author, and host of the Waking You Alpha podcast, Adam Lewis Walker. After career-ending injury sidelined him from track and field, Adam had to rebuild his life and now spend his time helping other people seek mastery and lead their lives. So Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. One little time. I wouldn't say I was a professional athlete, a semi-pro, because to be back and forth, there's so little money in athletics unless you are literally the number one in the country or a British record holder. Like my, my training um, partner was the British record holder, and he technically wow. was semi-professional because he got so little funding, he had to still do site, like part-time jobs. So uh, yeah. I was definitely uh, a semi-pro athlete in uh, England, and I loved it. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks, thanks for pointing out. I think um, important important point you're making here, right? Is like they're in athletics, there's not much money, uh, <laughs> but I think still the the level that you were at, right, was was yeah. incredibly high. I was really one of the top guys in the country, um, and so to really create the context for this conversation, I first want to talk about, you know, awakening your alpha. Cause that's a concept that you know, probably none of my listeners have, have really heard about contemplated before. So can you define first of all, what that is? Yeah. So in, in terms of the definition, if you look up alpha in the dictionary, it goes to alpha century, which is the star that shines the brightest. And then from the animal kingdom, it's to achieve the highest rank in a dominance hierarchy. So, and the example they give there is the alpha female of the elephant pack. So again, alpha generally you always think male and probably sometimes there's a bit of a negative slant on it sometimes and a bit of a bully boy, aggressive. You know, so awaken your alpha. My interpretation of that is to achieve the highest rank in areas of your life that are important to you. Again, not by society's standards, and then to shine as bright as you can with your time here. And that's to not to put others into your shadow, but to illuminate. So that is kind of my framing. And that's what the whole focus and kind of the, the core thing, one of the first things I put in the, the book I wrote, you know, Thousand Tactics to Thrive, Awaken Your Alpha, is uh, because there, people are coming at it and, and they can be, without looking into it, quite aggressive themselves in terms of the word alpha. So like, yeah. they're not fans of it. So... You know, if you go back to what it truly means, I mean, you know, what's not to like about star that shines the brightest and to, to, to achieve the highest rank? Yes. No, I totally agree. Like alpha has like in general in the population, a very negative connotation. Right. But I totally agree with you that like it's at the end of the day, like this, this aspect of shining the brightest, what's beautiful about that is you also give other people the opportunity and the possibility to shine brighter as well. Right. So it's not yeah. like, you know, yeah. sort of, uh, Gary Vee has always, you know, this super cool quote where he says like, there's, there's basically two, two ways to build the tallest building in town, right? One is like rip down everything else, every other building or two, just build truly the tallest tower in town, right? Yes. And as a byproduct of that, you also enable everyone else to strive and to become better. 
hundred percent. It's the difference between, you know, that scarcity mindset and abundance mindset and, you know, scarcity mindset and tearing other people down is it by my definition and how I, you know, my approach to it is not alpha in the slightest. And there's also obviously a, a definitely a, a feminine side to alpha. And as I say, the, 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 the philosophy of alpha is a mindset. It's not particularly for me anyway, uh, a male or female thing. Yes, I have a, a, a men's development podcast. But again, if we're talking about marketing, when I say alpha or waking your alpha, what does 99% of the population instantly think? Because it is usually tied to a male thing. So, you know, that's kind of what we're playing with here as well. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so interesting. I think especially like this, this, uh, this whole thing about, you know, success, greatness, being an alpha is like, it's not this like winning at all costs mentality, right? It's not like trying to put other people down. It's actually trying to simply unleash your full potential. It's trying to yeah. become the best that you can possibly become. And like, like you say, an area that is defined by you. And I think yeah, that is exactly. So point. you're talking about win at, win at all costs. Well, um, my, in terms of areas that are important to you, you know, lifestyle, free time, ability to spend quality time with friends, family, you know, and have that freedom of your, you know, your schedule. These are things that are important to me. They might not be important to you. So it's not about comparing yourself to other people. It's about doing the work. And in terms of, we actually only touched on the definition of awakening your alpha, but in terms of what that actually looks like in a practical sense, it comes down to awareness, action, and ascension in terms of you need to be aware of these things that we're just talking about and do the, the deep work to really make sure you're following what you know is truly important to you for the right reasons. And then also the actions. And then obviously we talked about building up ascension. It's not, again, not to necessarily rise above others, but it's, it's about personal um, improvement and getting better every day. So it is a constant thing as well. So once you do that and are continuing to do that, you know, you're always having that awareness and reassessing, is this, is this genuinely where I want to go? And obviously once you get to certain aspects or achieve certain things, it's a different landscape. So you do need to continually reassess and take modified actions or, you know, keep up the good work. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me more about this, this awareness piece. Cause I find that like this, this ability to truly become aware and, and set intentions for our lives around these, all these different areas, right? Not just, you know, financial success and business, but really, like you say, like the happiness and the, the free time and the family time and all of this stuff, like what are sort of the big buckets that people should be aware of? Um, and I know it's of course an individual thing, but what do you see usually like are the big buckets that, that really fulfill people? Yeah. So um, in terms of like some of the process, what I'll talk about, I'd call it the, you know, the four P's, purpose, priorities, process. And actually, what's the last one? It's been a while. <laughs> perspective. Yeah. So in the, in the four P's, so purpose, priorities, process, and perspective. So the purpose is, and what we touched on before, you know, are you sure about what you're following? Because we all have, you know, um, social expectations. Naturally, you you know you're brought up. You you generally go to school. You've got your friends and family around you. They will think certain things are awesome and certain things are not so awesome. Um, depending on where you're from, that could be you know that could be quite a weird um, kind of <laughs> you know um, environment to be around, or it could be a very positive environment. But it it becomes your norm. So once you move away or you get older, there's a lot sometimes a lot of baggage, and you maybe you're following something that was kind of predetermined for you or you kind of felt like you didn't have any choice so it's really important to do that awareness of, of your purpose like what is your mount olympus what are you striving for and why and and ultimately getting that really clear on your mission because a mission is, i believe it's important to have 
not to not enjoy what you're doing currently or just always focusing on something ahead, but to make sure you're pointing the generally the right direction. So then you can think about your actions. Do they move you towards your Mount Olympus or, you know, help support your mission or away from it? So that would kind of be the around purpose and, and just appreciating the hero's journey that we're all in. And, you know, it's like I said, you're not better or worse than other people. You may just be at a different stage in your journey. You know, you wouldn't compare, if you're comparing yourself um, to Luke Skywalker, for example, <laughs> do you compare yourself when he's like in a little mud hut and just not doing so well? Or do you compare yourself to when he's a Jedi master? Yeah. It's the same dude. So important. So, yeah. So it's, it's important. And I think a lot of people are comparing themselves in a mud hut to someone who's a Jedi master. Well, they, you know, it's, it's just different timings and different, you know, I'm assuming they're at a different age to you. And again, it may be a different age in terms of the pursuit of their mission. They may be older than you, but they may have only been really going after what they love for about a year or so. So it's, you know, it's very um, important to, you know, take it with a pinch of salt, what you see out there and, and not compare yourself. So if we're talking about priorities, there's lots of things you could do. There's people who say like, oh, but you know, I need to work on everything. I'm a mess. That means you've got no priorities. So yes. what are your priorities? So, and there's nothing harder to learn. You've got a, you know, on the simplest sense, if you just listed out say five or six areas that are key to you in your life and ranked them out of 10, whichever one is the lowest, start with that one. Like start with that today. Cause there's no point to say, I'm going to focus on my business when say like your health is a one because yes, you're so important. Yes. In your business or well, there's no point really focusing on your um your health if you're like in really good shape and you're number you know nine or ten out of ten and then you don't see your friends or family because you've dropped the ball in that area that's a one for you or your finances you've got no money and you're continuing to just work, go down the gym for 10 hours a day because you want to you know get to 11 in physical fitness but you ultimately you know you're going to be unhappy and unfulfilled if you <laughs> can't survive can't eat food can't you know have somewhere to live so this is you know the important thing and where to start at ground zero is to just be ruthless with yourself you know and this is not to keep up appearances with other people this is a personal thing the reality where are you you know least satisfied in your life right now and that is your priority to work on that for the next seven days and then go from there that's the important thing to do in terms of process uh touched on a you know a very simple process there but have your own set of agreements, you know, agreements to simplify life. So once you've identified this is the mission you're going on, this is something you want to achieve, this is the way you want your life and lifestyle to go, then what are you willing to do and not willing to do to get there? That's just as important, not what you're not willing to sacrifice. You mentioned yes. Gary Vaynerchuk. He, you know, he didn't, didn't have a Saturday off for like 14 years straight. And he's willing to, he's aware of that. So he's got the awareness part. He's willing to, he knows he's willing to sacrifice that to, you know, own the New York Jets or whatever it is he wants to do. Yeah. But in the, in the same sense, I know I'm not willing to work Saturdays for 14 years or, you know, for any years particularly because I, I have my family and that's a priority for me to carve out that time as a priority for me. And there, there's no right or wrong, but that's just something that I would not be willing to sacrifice. So, that is really important um, in terms of your process. And then perspective, uh, just a little touch on that in terms of, um, like we said about the hero's journey, the world is what it is. You know, it's not necessarily good or bad, but it's your, your own perspective that you bring to it. So the world, you, you could say, is perfect as it is. And then, you know, 
if you are in extreme adversity at the moment or you're just coming out of it, or you're just going into it because we will have that, that potentially, and when you're through it, and you will get through it so long as you don't, you know, tag out in terms of, you know, um, suicide and mouth suicide is a big problem. You will get back. Is that adversity exactly what you needed to become the man or the woman that you are now to get that mental strength and, and what you need if you looked at your life as a whole because you cannot avoid tragedy and adversity is coming. So it's about, you know, having that perspective that it will pass and you, you've got to stick with it. And it's, it's, not, it's not as easy as it's said. And that, that perspective is where the, the, the pitfall of that is depression, obviously, which I've experienced and, and fear as well in that a fear of failure and fear of success. And that's the, the, you know, kind of like the number one destructive emotion is definitely fear. Yes, you know, Adam, there's so much gold in here. And I want to dive into purpose a little bit later when we also talk about, you know, I believe the greatest quote of all time. But um, what you said about priorities is super interesting. Like this idea that you've got to take the bottlenecks and focus on those sometimes, right? Because like you say, like if your happiness or your, you know, your health or your relationships, if they're so far down, then it doesn't matter. Like you don't need to focus on this stuff up here. You need to get this at least for a normal degree. Yeah, yeah. I'm mean, not saying you, you have can to actually live a normal life, right? Yeah, but yeah, but priorities. It's you know, it's like anything. You say your weakest link in a team or something like that. If you're, you know, if you're looking at strength and conditioning, you're like, oh, I'm gonna do, you know, I'm gonna do some more bicep curls. But you know, you're you're struggling to move around because your back hurts because yeah. your core is so weak. But then you're continuing to, to like work your upper body because you you're already strong there, but you want to get even bigger. But then you're, you can't even function because you're weak link. You've been skipping like doing any core work because you're not that bothered. You Maybe you're low body fat and, you, <laughs> and yeah. uh, it looks good, but it doesn't do its job. And you're in pain because it's such a weakness. So it's underpinning everything. It's like that in many areas of our life where you know, they're all connected. And it may not be a, a priority to be like um, very high achieving in that one area. But if you've dropped it so bad that it's, you're so unsatisfied with it and it really is not uh, working, it's a a genuine weakness it is going to hold back other areas that are you know what you see as a priority for you yeah that's sort of such an important point right that even if you only care about one area of your life right even if you want to max out just your business the way to do that is you also have to take care of everything else right because there's like these this loss in effectiveness even right and productivity mm -hmm. and focus when you don't take care of your health and you don't take care of your mental and physical you know, well-being and your relationships and all that, then even, you know, if all you care about is making money in a business, which hopefully it isn't, but even if that was the case, you'd still lose out on productivity. And I think that's, that's why this is such an important point. And, you know, I also love what he's saying here about the, the process then, right? About really getting clear, like, what am I willing to sacrifice? Because I think that's a, that's a question that's not enough talked about, right? Like, it's easy to say, oh, I want to be in you know, top shape. I want to be super happy. But yeah, are you actually and willing to do that work? Yeah. And also a lot of people are like, yeah, you've got to do anything. I'm willing to do anything. Well, are you really? Yeah. And you shouldn't be because there's, there's obviously going to be a lot of opportunities and, and shady people out there. And, and by doing anything and everything, you are going to massively sacrifice the gold probably, the, the areas that truly when you're looking back on your life that you worked out that they are the important areas and maybe you were focusing potentially too much on certain things.
Yes, and that's so important, right? And also, so on the one hand, like you're saying, it's it's the there's this possibility to do too much, right? To overdo it, to sacrifice too much. Yeah, the hustle. And on the other hand, yeah, exactly. It's this, this hustle mindset, right? But I think where where most people struggle actually is the opposite, right? It's like they're not willing to sacrifice enough, right? They say, oh yeah, they set these huge goals, right? They're like, oh my gosh, I want to lose fifty pounds, I want to you know run this marathon, whatever. But then if you look at their actual daily like life and their daily routines and habits, there's just no, a total mismatch between the goals and the reality of what they're practicing. And I think that's such an important point that like, if you want to become great at something, you better become great today. You act great today. You train great today because that is the only way so that in weeks and months and years, eventually you become great. Yeah. You touched it there. You know, a lot of people say, Oh, when I achieve this thing, then I will be like, uh, then I'll be great. And then yeah. I'll do these things. They're like, well, why, why, why do you get up at 10 AM? If you're going to be doing all this cool stuff? Oh, but, yeah, yeah. When when I've you know got that Academy Award, when yeah. I've got that ten grand a month, <laughs> then I'll I, start hustling. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, okay, it doesn't work like that. You know, if you just pick someone who's got all these things that you perceive that you definitely want, that's going to make you happy. And then if you find out what their schedule looks like, what they're actually doing in the day, that's what you need to be doing because you have to be like you said and do these things before you get these what are basically little external rewards. And if you really hate the process of doing these things and on a daily basis of being that like whatever it takes for your desired choice, then uh, you're going to be unhappy. Whether someone gives you an award or whether you know, your book's a bestseller or whether you've got a top-ranked podcast, you're going to be unhappy if you don't enjoy the day-to-day -day activity. Yes, and uh, what you just said is such an important point, right? That, like, even if you know, the end goal seems exciting to you, but the process to getting there is actually miserable, right? You, it, it doesn't excite you, then most likely it's the wrong goal. Yeah, and that's the thing that obviously there's stuff that we've all got to do where you think, actually, yeah. that's not ideal, you know, but, but you, can, it's, you can see because your goal is so important to you and it's aspects of it. But if you were talking like, say, like, you know, Olympians or if there's, we're talking like years, and there's a huge proportion of what you're doing is you're making you miserable. You really got to question that goal because yeah. about doing. So if you're stepping into your area of genius, or at least you know you're committing to work to mastery in that field, then yes, there's hard work involved, but you should be loving many aspects of it. You know, so talking like this, I, I don't see this as work in the slightest. Oh, you nice. know, I love to write. I love to speak. And so doing TEDx talks and then helping people discover not just, you know, that they're, you know, or have more confidence to back themselves and to achieve the strategies to achieve these goals. But then I help people as well with their TEDx talks. So, you know, really just the insight of, you know, stripping away what is their, their core idea worth sharing amongst all the awesome things they're up to or their, you know, their message. And then it's just that, you know, really stripping away and just, I love the fact that you, in the simplest sense, you can't read the label of your own bottle. I just got off a call with someone who's, in, you know, interested in it. Well, they're actually going to work with me now in terms of they wanted an idea clarity call about their idea. And this is, you know, a really accomplished person. And in their own words, you know, they've done quite a lot of speaking, um, but they weren't able to land a TEDx talk. Um, and the ideas they told me, they got me, the message was awesome. But as a TEDx talk, it was not original and it, it was not good. But, that's, and that's no disrespect to them, their message was, but as a TEDx, it needs, needed a few tweaks that, again, you, you don't know if you don't know. And also, she's got so many ways that this can be brilliant. And it was just a tweak. And the feedback was she hadn't thought about it like that. And, you know, she, 
she kind of like seen, okay, I can see how this works and really excited to crack on with it. But um, so that, and technically that was work for me in theory, but you know, that's, that is awesome. And obviously it takes years to get to these spots and it's about noticing areas in your life where you light up and you get excited about it and you're like, whoa, that, that didn't feel like work. And, but it technically it was when that happens, if that's like 10% of your day, how can that become more of your day? Or how come if 80% of your day is stuff that anyone could do and you're not really into it and well, how about you just phase that out? You know, so uh, obviously there's nitty gritty of certain things. I'm sure at some stage you, all of us could get to the stage where all these little minor things or a lot of them, you could outsource aspects of them. And I've had virtual assistants, but they were more, my experiences what I was doing, they were more hassle than they were worth. So coming back to the, the number one thing, I actually enjoyed aspects I was trying to outsource. So I was like, well, what am I doing it? But it was because, <laughs> you know, people were telling, oh, you should outsource this. And maybe you should, but if you're enjoying it, maybe you shouldn't. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's such an important point. You know, just two days ago, I think I was talking to Dr. Gay Hendricks, one of the leading you know, transformational coaches. And he, awesome. he has this, yeah, he has this, this concept of, your zone of genius, right? That zone that actually lights you up on fire. And I, I know exactly that... what you're talking about because he, yes. I interviewed him and he, I'm just entering a certain phase. He, this is what he was telling me because I think it's 40 plus. You, you really need to work on your, you know, your creative zone because you, otherwise you, you know, you're going to age very prematurely. <laughs> yes, it's amazing, right? He's been on top of the game for like 45 years now or so, right? It's, like, it's amazing. And, and so like his whole take is like, you've got to love the stuff that you're doing, right? And maximize that at time that you spend every day. So even if it's 10 minutes at the start, right? Like try to make it more and more, make it 20 and then a, an hour and two hours and three hours because that's what makes you come alive. And I think that is such an important point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I want to dive into, into like, and we, we're talking about this, by the way, for our listeners offline before the conversation, that I believe the greatest quote of all time, I have it <laughs> hanging here, right here in my, my room. You, Adam, are going to get it in your gym, like this huge <laughs> yep. board. So, so for our listeners, I mean, I'm going to put it in the show notes, but I just want to read it real quickly and, and talk about it because I think it's such a powerful idea on really how to get the most out of life. So, so uh, Theodore Roosevelt, former United States president, once said, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or what a duo of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives reliantly, her errors, who come short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who's actually strives to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end, the triumph of high achievement, and who had the worst, if he fails, at least failed while daring greatly. So his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Love it. Yes. So talk to me about the importance of stepping into the arena of our lives. Yeah. And I I love quotes. And uh, that was like the first one that I was like, that um, there's a good chance that may go in my book. And it yeah. didn't, but just because it is such a popular quote and it's, you know, so it's, it's like anything, it's, it's not necessarily overused, but it's so well known. Yeah. So it's about, uh, that's the only reason you go in books. So I absolutely love it. So in, in terms of the arena, 
Um, but much we're talking about today. Today we're both, you know, we're actively in our arena. We're, you know, we're out there. We're we're competing, not competing. We're, we're participating, I should say. But we yeah. are competing at life. Co-working. <laughs> but yeah, we're turning up at it. So you create your arena. You know, your environment, not just your physical environment, but also your, or more importantly, your mental environment. So in terms of, you know, people say, oh, your physical environment. You may be very currently. You may be what you would seem as stuck and you can't do this you can't do that but it comes down to say you're at work or something like that and every lunch break you're going into the staff room or the office or you sit down and you this is the only place you you can have your lunch in theory you you've, you're going to argue to me that you can't go anywhere else so you yeah, sit down around a bunch of women dudes whoever they are who then sit down for their daily wine complain just just bleh. and then you sit there let's say you're not participating you sit there and you don't actively get away from it and what i mean by that is if that is your lunch apart from not enjoying lunch that takes up a huge piece of your week your life and that is that constant negative drip 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 and it's gross and also what's to stop you putting your headphones in and listening to an audio book, a positive podcast, whatever. It's taking a book in there and just listen to music and then like reading while you're, that's a huge opportunity. So I, I think, you know, you've got to take responsibility for all of these things and not just be a, and not just put it on other people. Like, oh, I can't do this because, you know, they whine every day. I don't like it, but I'm involved or, or I've got to join in because they're my colleagues, whatever it is. So, you know, your personal code and philosophy, as we talked about before and your agreements have got a long way in, in creating your environment, you know, and, people like we just spoke about will put a lot of time and effort into telling you why they can't do something likely why you can't do something um and they will always be up for listeners if you're willing to listen so i think it's um important what i said taking ownership for this and every day just look at it as your own training ground for you for life for whatever it is you're you, you know you're pursuing or looking to work out what you're going to pursue every you know i like to try and set up my environment as a training ground so again what do training grounds have? If you, let's say you're in the worst environment ever, well, then you're in the Rocky scenario. You're in the, you know, you're in Luke Skywalker in his little mud hut. You obviously, you only get stronger by overcoming adversity. So that's your training ground. Look at it as these people who are whining in your face every day. It's your training ground to become like a very stoic and mentally strong person to just like brush it off, just block it out. So that, that would be my thoughts initially on that. And I know we can dig into it <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, you know, what I love about this is like this process of doing hard things, right? Of doing things that are uncomfortable, doing things that go oftentimes even against societal norms, right? Things that are considered weird oftentimes or eccentric. Those are oftentimes the very things that actually help you grow and actually as a byproduct of that help you live a happy life. And that's something that I always try to emphasize here is like, you know, doing those hard things, doing those difficult things, going against the you know normal and average is actually something not just just going to lead to success in life but it also is going to ha make you happy yeah 100 percent. and loads of people can have um their own version this and applies to your own life whether you're you know in this specific phase or you used to be or whatever so in, in 2013 i was still teaching uh, part-time at a college in uh croydon near croydon in london england and um i was part-time at that stage um you know my background i was a teacher for 10 years um yeah, I was just, I was, you know, so my current environment did not dictate where I saw myself or where I was going to end up. 
So you, you don't have to let it to you. There's a, you know, plenty of people could take a different perspective and think, you know, I've invested, you know, all these years at school, done a degree, done teacher training, then done NQT year, then spent, you know, many years teaching. I was very good at it. And then, well, that's, that's, that's it. I could, you know, I had a comfy job. That's, I could roll out a lot of people in my department, you know, 20 years older than me. And I could see the path and there was nothing wrong with that, but you've got to make the decision. Do, is that it? Is that, is that what you want to do? And if it is brilliant, you know, double down, be the most legendary teacher you can and, you know, go down that. And, and obviously I've, I've questioned that. And I know I would have been reasonably happy doing that, but also I had this, I, I got ants in my pants. I, I, I wanted to try new things and I wanted to, um, I didn't, ultimately I didn't see myself um, as an old teacher in that environment, because especially for a sports teacher as I was, as you got older or more responsibility, you wore shorts and t-shirt less and less, <laughs> and you wore suits more and more. And, you know, uh, the collar around my neck with a tie, for me, that is weddings, funerals, and job interviews. And yeah. I, hate <laughs> I just don't feel comfortable. And that I could see that was, the, you know, that was the writing on the wall for success in that arena. Success meant I was going to go up the line and I was going to have more and more meetings and I can't stand meetings for meetings sake. And that was the final nail in the coffin for me in that arena. Um, But I decided, you know, to co-author a book, nothing to do with sports, particularly the new rules of success in a different arena. So I started baby steps, co-authored a book. Um, I launched a podcast off the back of that and I quit my job with two, two kids with no, I had ideas, but no real safety net. Um, so I started moving into that arena. And the, the thing that attracted me to podcasts as well, I knew my environment was headed. I wanted, I should say, I planned to move to America. And not just America, the middle of nowhere, the wilderness <laughs> up on the Great Lakes. So that's where I am now. And I knew any work I did that wasn't location, non-location based would be pointless when I'm in the middle of nowhere. So then I had a pure, you know, a very clear agreement with myself and, you know, a goal that I would work as if I was in the middle of nowhere. So that made it very clear. If I have this opportunity, can I do it in Northern Michigan? No. Okay. I'm not doing it. Can I do it in Northern Michigan? Yes. Okay. I'm doing it kind of thing. That's just one filter. And so then I was doing the hard yards before I moved here. So the transition was smoother and the podcast create, we talked about creating your mental environment. I interviewed people who I wanted to talk to and I wanted to ask them specifically about all and everything questions that were interesting to me. That was the first point of call. And then obviously that really opened some doors as well as, you know, my own personal education. And that's created my peers, you know, a lot of um, some really good friends that I physically stayed with in their houses all over the place have come from, I can trace it back to the podcast in some way, shape or form. So that's creating your own environment. Now the world is a very small place with, you know, technology. So even if you're in the middle of nowhere, if you're in like the butthole of nowhere, if you're in like a dump, if you've got an internet access, you can create your mental environment. So there's no excuse. Yes. So powerful. And and so this idea that you just mentioned, you know, you're, you're a professor and you look 20 years sort of into the future to see like, what would my life look like? I love that, right? Because it, it essentially gives you this idea of like, where you're gonna end up if you know, there's this, this quote, I'm probably gonna butcher it, but it's like, <laughs> you know, if you don't change your path, you might, you know, end up where you're going actually, right? It's like, so you, you realize in that moment, like, hey, 20 years, that's exactly where I'll be. And like, 
I don't want to be this guy in the you know, tie and suit and all that stuff, right? So, so talk to me about this, this process of envisioning the future. You said, you know, you had that dream, you knew you wanted to change something. How can people, you know, create a different, you know, vision for their lives? I know you had to do this before, you know, after your athletic career and that, like, how do you create a new vision almost out of, you know, nothing with no sort of, you know, knowledge of what exactly I want to do? Yeah. So there's, uh, there's two ways to go about this, kind of the two sides of a coin. I could go completely, um, more of a morbid way about this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that actually. So we got two, love two key ways I would do that personally mm -hmm. or that spring to mind anyway. So uh, I'm very into my stoicism. There's a definite yeah. stoic kind of underbelly or theme through Awaken Your Alpha and especially the book. And one of the processes they, you know, and I think Tim Ferriss talks about in his TEDx talk or similar process, um, the premeditation, premeditate, no? Was it premeditation pre of death? No, premeditation of evils. I don't know why I'm having a brain fart. Yeah, premeditation of evils. So in terms of that, all of the simplest sense, it just means kind of not focusing it too much, but in a very structured, it's that awareness. Not you, if you did this all the time, you'd be miserable. But this is right. Okay, I'm gonna focus. I'm gonna be aware of what is the worst thing that can happen. What is the worst case scenario? It's ultimately that. But people get stuck in that. There's a difference between always thinking about the worst case scenario because that means you'll be a pessimist and that means you know you're not going to do anything because you're always focused on the worst case scenario but i put it in the book i have lots of actions in there so i kind of modified that to the premeditation of evils quadrant so you split your page into four um halves or four quarters i should say and again without looking at this i'm I may get it. I should get it roughly right. So, you know, so you talk about so really getting scientific about this. So we're isolating this to maybe an hour or something like that, or even like 10 minutes, depending on what you've got available. So if you've got a decision of something you could do, so let's just say um, do, taking on this new job or launching that business. So it's actually thinking, well, a lot of people are not going to do that because of fear. So the issue is, okay, right. What is, what is the worst thing that could happen? So put in like in the one section. So what's the worst thing that can happen? Okay. What is the, you know, the best thing that could happen? And then obviously what is a percentage? Then you're going to get a bit more scientific than just worrying about stuff. What is the percentage chance of that bad thing happening? You know, so it may be, okay, I could die. That's probably one of the worst things. So let's say if you was doing a bungee jump or something like that, which, which you've done. Um, okay, realistically, okay, what's the percentage chance of that happening? If you're going to say, okay, I could die. And for some people, that's enough. I'm not going to do it. But I would then go, okay, realistically, look at this. Okay, how many people have died doing a bungee? And you could even go, how many people have died doing this specific bungee? If there's like no one, you could say, like, I know 1% chance I'd die. So, okay, you think, well, I'm, I'm okay with that. So, and then you, okay, what's the chance? of something positive, at least positive happening. What's the chance of this, you know, the most positive outcome that you've identified happening? And if you look at it and say, well, actually, there's probably about a 60% chance this most positive outcome is going to happen. Like, I'm going to love it. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to feel empowered. Okay, so the, the, you think, well, actually, there's probably a good reason to do this. Or then even what's the chances of something even remotely positive happening out? So it may not be your ideal scenario, but let's say, you know, you feel empowered if we're talking about bungee jump or, you know, if we're talking about a new job, you do it for a year, you improve yourself professionally, and then you've got some more options. That's maybe not your ideal scenario, but that is a positive as you've classed it. So then if you do this premeditation of evil's quadrant, 
for key decisions, if you're sitting on the fence, instead of just like I'm in an R in and just being indecisive because that will kill you. That is just the worst. I hate that for myself and anyone I know. This will help you identify, is this something you're going to do or not? Good. Either way, that's good. Not doing it could be good Not or doing it could be good. And then you move on. So that's one aspect in terms of, um, you know, legacy and, and making decisions for your life as well, small and big. And then in terms of kind of more the purpose and, you know, really trying to find things, the, the Japanese concept of ikigai, which is literally translated as a reason for being or reason to live or worth. I know there's some worths of well, one of the words in there. So reason gives your life worth. And basically that's, again, there's a, almost like a Venn diagram that you can play around with, which literally, um, you know, what you love would be one circle, what the world needs, what you're good at and what you can be paid for. So if, you're, if you've got something or aspects of your life that cover all of them, um, literally, so they're all overlapping, then that would be in the Japanese concept, ikigai. For me, it'd be like in your alpha zone or the A zone, yes. or you're just going to be loving it. Okay. So, and when you've got, say you've got two or three, so that, so let's say you've got, you know, you, you're doing what you love and you're good at, but you can't really be paid for it and the world doesn't really need it. You're focusing on your passion. But then that becomes, if you can turn it into something you can be paid for, that becomes profession. And then if you can, you know, if the world needs it and you can be paid for it, but you don't, you're not that good at it or you don't love it, it's just a vocation. What you love and what the world needs, that's a mission. Now, if you can get so these overlap and so you're on your mission, it's your passion, you're professional at it, and, you know, you absolutely love it, it's, that's your kind of the, the hot spot. And you can play around with this and you don't all have to have it from one aspect of your life. They're all connected. You could have a job that you're highly paid at or highly paid for and you're highly skilled at. And then, okay, so you're paid for it. You're very good at it. It's your profession. Okay, so does that mean you have to quit your job? No, because it may, might mean outside of that job that's so awesome that gives you financial freedom, you have some nonprofit or you have a hobby that you love and the world needs it and that's your mission. And then. It's also your passion because you're good at it. So you can, you know, you make up your own individual mix for your life because it doesn't all have to be from one aspect. So I think that's important. So this applies, this Ikigai concept applies to, you know, retired people, semi-retired people, students, you know, workers, business owners. It applies to all and anyone. And it's fun to play around with that because if you play around with that and see oh man, I'm having a shocker. Is this my life? Good. That's going to give you a slap around the face to make some tweaks and changes and maybe take up a hobby or quit your job or start a business. Or on the other side, you might look at it and think, oh, I thought I was doing quite well. I can see oh, if I just did this, added this one thing to my mix, I would really be in my icky guy. And that's would kind of just really put that cherry on the top of everything I'm doing. You know, I, Adam, I absolutely love that. And it speaks to this awareness again, right? Of really becoming clear on like, how do I want to live my life? Because one of the challenges I see, especially in you know, other students and stuff at this point is like, they're so focused only on that passion, right? It's like, I love to do this, right? But I forget all the other aspects of like, you know, am I actually great at it? Or am I willing to do the work to become great at it? And also does the world need it? Like, is anyone going to pay me for, you know, playing video games? Chances are probably not, <laughs> depending on what you do. You might, you, you might, never know. You might be. You might be that. I tell my boys, you know, that is a job. But also, it is a job, yes. But <laughs> I know someone. I know someone who was a video game tester, so they they loved it. The reality was they're working long hours. I'm not sure they loved that so much, and they weren't actually paid that 
well for it. On the flip side, I know someone who's a professional gamer. And oh my goodness, they travel <laughs> around. They're playing games. They're getting paid big bucks. And I'm like, that is awesome. Yes, like, yes. Also, to get to that level, level even, I'd take their life now. But I also know I would not take the steps it takes to get there because I am not going to sit in a room for eight hours a day playing that. Um, even if I know, which it wouldn't be a guarantee that that's going to happen because I, the sacrifice for me, it doesn't fit with my lifestyle. It doesn't fit with my, you know, my mindset, my, my physicality of how I am. I just, it doesn't float my boat. The end, I could travel around playing computer games for a few hours, yeah. <laughs> but I know the steps to get there. And I'm, you know, happy to know that I'm not willing to sacrifice that, but you know, so it's, there's some exciting opportunities out there. Definitely. Yeah, no, and this awareness again, right? Of like, really, how do I want to live my life, right? Am I willing to first have the end goal, but then also am I willing to go through that process, right? Yeah. And I want to go back for just a second to, to what you said before, about really defining our fears, defining the worst possible outcomes, right? A quadrant. Because I actually did this, you know, I, I used this, I actually put it into practice. So one of the fears, you know, of me getting into this field was like, hey, what if I go broke, right? And so what I did was I sort of took the whole concept to another level instead of just visualizing it. I literally just took a yoga mat, right? Like one of those really yeah. thin yoga mats. I put it on the floor and for two months, I was sleeping like on the floor basically, right? Ah, and man, my back was back. hurting, yeah. man. It was painful. I, I slept like horribly. Yeah. But what I, I, hope you ate, I hope you ate really poor food that week as well. I've literally, I also did that. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, starved myself almost. Like yeah. it was the whole thing. And what I realized is like, even if I go broke, I lose my family, I lose my friends, no one in the world likes me and I have to sleep on their bridge, I will be fine. <laughs> and there's such a power and such a beauty in realizing that even if your worst fears, no matter how unrealistic it is, even if they you know, came into this world, even if it happened, you're still going to be okay and you're still going to find a way to get out of that. Now, Adam, we talked about a lot of great strategies, tips today. If you could give our listeners just one challenge to take away from this conversation, to take it home and you know, awaken the alpha, what would that be? Okay, depending on what time you're listening to this, I want you to ask yourself the question, what could you do to make today great? And it's important, this question, not what would you like to do, what can you actually do? Because some idiot out there or some muppet will be like oh go to disneyland would make my day great <laughs> well you might be able to do that today but also this is the sort of person who's always suggesting or focusing on things that they can't physically do at that time so then they can whine about it and just ultimately make themselves feel sad so wherever you are whatever you're doing by the end of the day sometimes it's more you know if you've had a really tough day this is an even more valuable question because it might get to like eight o'clock at night and you're like oh what a what a day and then you're like okay this is where I am. It's eight o'clock. I've had a crappy day. What can I do so I can genuinely say today, like make today great from this point? And so this, the answer to that is very individual, depending on what resources you've got, depending on who you want to reach. So for example, it could be as similar as I'm going to go walk around the block and you think, well, how's that great? Well, then that probably wouldn't be on your list. But I'm going to walk around the block and maybe I'm going to call an old friend that I've been meaning to call for like three months, a year, whatever it is. And I'm going to just check in, see how they're doing. So, you know, speak to someone I love or tell them I love them or something completely different. But I'm telling you, if you do that and do actually physically do what it is from that point that you could make that day great, then if you can go to sleep and know, I had a good day today, or I had a great day today, I should say, 
Then once you do that regularly, great days, then you had a great week overall, then you had a great month, and then, you know, it's only a great life. So it's these little moments that are important and that, you know, that's all we've got. And, um, you know, try it. Just try it for seven days and, it, it, you know, you will have some conversation. I just focusing on, because that's, a, you know, that's quite a go-to for me of just reaching out. Um, a lot of people don't take the time, but, you know, reaching out and just calling someone because you, you want to deep down if you take the time because, you, you know, it's a good thing to do. You enjoy it. You'll get something out of it. They'll get something out of it and it will help make your day great. So, yeah, that would be my challenge to you. But if, and, and also, please do reach out to me and let me know if you've done any of the stuff we talked about on the show. Adam Lewis Walker on Instagram is always, a, you know, I'm very active on there um, in these type of stories as well, but across all social media. And if you are interested in an idea or just a clarity call with me, whether it's regards to, you know, mindset, what we've been speaking about, or if you specifically want to amplify your mission and your message in a TEDx talk, I do idea clarity calls for that. And I love hearing these ideas. So you can go to talkaccelerator.com. There's also a podcast there. You can get loads of free resources and insights. And then also jump on a phone with me and I can, you know, point you in the right direction of in terms of your idea and how to best pitch that to TEDx organizers and I love to do that. Perfect. You literally stole that that question from me. Now, real quickly, I know you have to go. Final question. What is your quest for greatness? <laughs> All and everything we just said. So my, my quest for greatness is to help others, again, in, in, in terms of what I what drives me and how I help help others help others, I should say, to amplify their mission and their message. So in terms of like the mindset we spoke about. Generally, everyone listening to this needs to back yourself more. You know, it's very rare. And they, you know, I'm in America, so I know we do get some Americans who are very self-confident. But generally, all of us behind and the reality is we don't back ourselves enough. And how can we expect others to? So my, you know, my mission is to help everyone amplify their mission. So back yourself and your message. So if you've got something you want to share and put out there, you know, don't hold back. Don't do it, you know, in little, in little on a low level things like, you know, writing a book, being on podcasts as a guest or having your own podcast or delivering that TEDx talk will amplify your mission and your message. So that's really my area of genius and, and what I love to do because it always comes back to when I speak to people, the number one thing holding you back is yourself. And so I really think you need to back yourself more and uh, do some of the, the processes we spoke on today. Yeah. Adam Lewis Walker, thanks so much for coming in the show. All right, guys, that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you gained some valuable ideas, tips, tools, tricks, mindsets, belief systems that will hopefully inspire you to take your life to the next level. At the end of the day, guys, it's all about application. The only thing that's going to set you apart tomorrow from where you are today is how much action you take with those ideas that you gained. And so I really want to challenge you at this point to you know, not just listen to this passively, to not just consume this, you know, passively just thinking about other things, but to really take those lessons, take those ideas that you just gained and start applying them to your life. So really start taking action and sprinting towards those goals and those dreams that you have in your life. Now, guys, at this point, I want to ask you for a huge favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider heading over to iTunes and leaving a review as that helps me really grow the show and reach more people, impact even more people around the world. You know, if you have a family member, a friend, a loved one maybe, that you think could benefit from this content, please consider, you know, sharing it with them, forwarding to them, as that helps us really build a community of like-minded people that are all about maxing out their lives. Now, guys, with that being said, 
Thanks so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. Stay strong and see you tomorrow.